Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. about adventures and hospitality. I hope you feel like you've been on a bit of an adventure. If you haven't, this afternoon, some of you look like you're definitely going on an adventure in various vineyards and uh, with different Hawaiian outfits and everything. It's going to be very interesting uh, where people will end up. So we've done this five weeks on hospitality. I want to finish today by looking at aspect of hospitality, about how do we, what is our attitude of how we actually deliver hospitality? It's one thing to do it, but how do we do it? Week one, we looked at Psalm 23, and we looked at the Lord's, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. The idea that we are grateful people, we're thankful people, and that, and that attitude towards hospitality starts with thankfulness, that we're thankful for all that God has done. Week two, we looked at building a bigger table. The hospitality means loving the stranger, loving the ones we don't know, not just inviting people around to our house that could probably return the favor at another point. Um, then Trevor Bond talked about the early church and Acts and how they cared for those around them in need. And then Elspeth did a great example last week of uh, international flavor around hospitality. And they said, why don't you come back to my house for tea? At which Jerry's face dropped a little bit. And uh, 80 people turned up for cream tea um, in their garden last week. It was a fantastic time. And uh, this week, we've got some fun this week. Believe it or not, even in this little warm room we are, I would like to just show a short video to get you in the mood for this morning's talk. You ready? Now, either you're just a little bit hot and sweaty or you're just being restrained because you're in church. I want to talk today about being happy. Oh, dear. I've never talked in church about being happy. Maybe there's a good reason for it. Maybe it's the wrong place. We shouldn't talk about happiness in church. Well, let's just have a look, shall we, and see what is out there. I mean, maybe when you were at Sunday school, some of you, years and years ago, you would sing the song, Happiness is to know the Savior living a life. Anyone remember this song? Just going to be me by myself. I think that's the last time we ever sang about happiness in the church. We went, you know, we can't have too much happiness in the church. We've got to be miserable. Or if you're happy and you know it. Thank you. That will do. Not too much enthusiasm. Please remember where you are. Or even maybe one of my favorites would be happiness, happiness, the greatest gift that I possess. I thank the Lord for giving. Thank you. He's got some feather dusters to wave around in the air. Some of the younger people in the room are going, I'm seriously trying to escape from this place of mayhem. I want to talk about happiness. I want to talk about what it means to be hospitable with a smile on our faces. Wow. Yesterday, no, Friday morning, I went and I uh, interviewed. Uh, I'm doing a series of interviews at the moment, and I went to London. I interviewed a friend of mine, Pastor Yemi Adadeji, who is a, is a, a black uh, majority church leader in London. Leads a very large church, thousands of people. And uh, we were talking about the, some of the cultural challenges of leading churches across um, different cultures in the UK. And I wasn't going to mention this, but I'll, I will say it because he said to me, when I go, he's an Anglican priest. He says, when I go to the Anglican priest, I go to Anglican churches, I have to arrive on time and finish on time. I'm given a 15-minute slot to speak in. He said, and when I finish, the treasurer says, how many miles did you do? And I tell him, and he signs a check for £12.17. He says, well, in the afternoon, I will go and preach at the Pentecostal Black Majority Church. And when I arrive, everybody is already there, and the party has begun. They say, how long do you want me to speak for? He said, we'll warm you up with 45 minutes and see how we get on. And could your final prayer be at least 15 minutes? 
And when he finished, he said, they fill my car with petrol. And they put goodies on the back seat of my car. And they gave me a check, which is bigger than you can imagine. He says, a lot of fun trying to go across those two divides. And I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. But I tell you what, the church should be a happy place to be. It should be a place we celebrate all that God is. It should be a place we reflect who God is. And when people come out of church looking more miserable than when they're in, we're like, ah, is that the story you really want the, the world to hear? The world is desperate for happiness. It's even part of the American Declaration of Independence. It says this from 1776, that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It was even a film. Some of you may have seen the Will Smith film from 2006. It's a beautiful film. He acts in it with his own son, Jaden. And it tells a story of Chris Gardner, who was a homeless guy, who managed to work his way up into becoming a multi-millionaire stockbroker who's now a well-known philanthropist. What makes you happy? What makes you happy? What gets you excited in the morning? What gets you kind of smiling and enthusiastic about life? Well, here's a short video clip for you about the question of what makes people happy. Things that make me happy are when I've not got to look at a clock. And eating good food really makes me happy. <laughs> just being here, really. It's just life is good, isn't it? Just getting what you want. She makes me happy. Sunshine, music. Just being, I don't know, healthy. I like to party, I like to go out. Hanging out with friends, going dancing. I guess money also makes you happy. Uh, something where you're not relying on money. My cat. My nephew. My wife makes me really happy. And drinking. A lion. So being comfortable. Sleeping, really. And movies as well. Watching Liverpool beat Man United away. Just be drunk. Is what makes you happy. I wonder what makes you happy. The Bible actually, believe it or not, talks about being happy. It's in there over 500 times. There are verses talking about happiness, about joyfulness, cheerfulness, and delighting in some of the things that God has for us. Here's a few examples for you. Psalm 89 says this, happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence. Or Proverbs 15 says this, for the despondent, Every day brings trouble. Who's got one of those miserable friends? That misery seems to follow them everywhere they go. They walk into a room and the black cloud comes with them. And if you don't know one of those friends, maybe you are that friend. <laughs> You're laughing nervously because you know it's true. But for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. There are some people that light up rooms, don't they? They come along and even in the worst of circumstances... They can point to something always greater than themselves. Or Ecclesiastes 3 says this. I concluded, this is uh, Solomon, great words of wisdom. I concluded, there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. There's some words of wisdom for us. But then in the book of Peter, uh, Peter goes another step further and says this about hospitality. And so he says, starting in verse 7, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Cheerfully. I've even made it a bold. There you go, look. So it's obvious. Cheerfully share your home, a meal, 
a place to stay. Verse 10, God has given each of you a gift from this great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen indeed. Amen. If you've got something, use it. Put it to use. Have you ever felt miserable while trying to be kind at the same time? Have you ever tried to hide your true feelings and put on a little bit of a facade of actually, you know, you're having a bad day, but you're trying to put a smile on and welcome in, be kind and polite. Or, you know, when you're gritting your teeth, when you're trying to serve somebody, you're trying to be grateful that they've turned up and you're home. Or you force a smile when you're saying to someone in your home, please stay longer, have another drink. And everything in you is, I'd rather you went home. No one else had that experience? It is just me. <laughs> to be honest with you, let's be serious for a moment. This whole teaching series is about me. <laughs> I need to learn how to be more hospitable. The truth is, after four weeks, we had somebody come around our house yesterday evening. We were in the middle of a film. It's a great film, Line. If you haven't seen it, it's a brilliant film. We're three quarters of the way through. I mean, honestly, it was like a real sort of snot fest. And I'm in the moment, and the doorbell goes. And I didn't really want to answer the door. But my wife, who's much nicer than I am, answered the door. And I heard her at the door, and I thought, hopefully it'll be a quick one. She goes, oh, come in. Come and have a drink, she says. We've got a bottle open. We did have a bottle open, but it was our bottle for her and I to share. Come and, come and have a, I'm sure there's room for more. And I'm thinking, I've heard these lines said before from a platform, but let's be honest, it was just for the benefit of the church, not for us, surely in our own home. And in come two lovely people, and they stayed. And yes, they did stay. And I had to... But the truth was, it was, it was a good time. We had some good time. and it, We got back into the film eventually. But there is still stuff to learn. There's something within me, maybe not within you. You're all sort of sorted. But that sort of feeling of like, I'm in my castle. The door is closed. I really don't want to be nice and polite to anybody. Hospitality can be hard work. It is about loving the stranger. But how do we do it? Is it enough just that we do it? Or is it more so about the attitude that we have when we serve those around us. There's a very strange story that Jesus tells in Matthew 21. It's not often talked about. It's called the parable of the two sons. And it says this um, in verse 28. Um, Jesus tells this story. A man with two sons told the older one, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. Must have been a teenager. Uh, but later he changed his mind. Sorry, Levi. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told his other son, you go into the vineyard and work. And he said, yes, of course, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed the father? The people listening replied, the first one. And Jesus explained his meaning saying this, I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of heaven before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to do, uh, the right way to live, but you didn't believe him. While tax collectors and prostitutes did, and even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe and repent of your sins. In that story, Jesus is talking to people and saying, actually, it's about making the right decision, not always about being the right person. And, and sometimes I believe you've got to grit your teeth and do the right thing, even when it's hard work. And it's about saying, I don't feel like it. 
but I'm going to anyway. I remember years ago I was working for a church and part of my job was I had to get there early every Sunday morning and we had a big team like we do here. We have a, a four-week rotor here. Well, I had to go every Sunday and every Sunday I would get there early and put all the chairs out and all the bits and pieces together and I'd also clean the toilets. Now, I'd like to tell you I cleaned the toilets with a smile on my face and isn't this lovely and I'd be singing psalms to the Lord and hymns and spiritual songs. But the truth was, I was pretty miffed about the whole thing. I thought, God, this is not my plan for my life. It might be your plan, but it's not my plan. I want to stand on the stage and preach and have all the kind of glory and adulation. But God was teaching me something about humility, about service, about love for others, about doing things where no one can see what you're doing, where it's hidden. Sometimes we've got to do the right thing, even when we don't feel like it. And many weeks, Lottie will tell you, I gritted my teeth and I would go down early to get the place prepared. And each week, there are people coming here each Sunday. You get it at 8.30 in the morning, our big team. Who's on big team today? Little wave, Simon and team and, and Trevor. Thank you so much for those who helped set up and make today happen. It's so important we have those people who serve. Sometimes we have to do the right thing, even when we don't feel like it. You know, the Christian faith is not a faith of convenience. It's not a faith of when it suits me, then I will serve other people. It is a faith of inconvenience. It's a faith that says, actually, when somebody's in need, I will stop and I will help. It doesn't quite fit in to the, the, the kind of the concept that our culture has created, that everything else goes around me and my needs. The Christian faith is that what do other people need? See, Peter either goes one step further in the verse we read there in 1 Peter 4. He doesn't just say be hospitable. He says cheerfully share your home. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. And how do we make sure that our hospitality and our kindness and our generosity isn't just done out of some sort of guilt trip or a sense of duty or a chore? We just have to. But absolute joy. Anyone there yet? I would love to be in that place where the door, every time someone's on the door, I fling the door open. It's great to see you and mean it. Come, stay, have as much as you want to. See, when it comes to hospitality, I want to make a couple of comments here about how we do this. First of all, I want to say hospitality. Hospitality is always more fun when it's a team effort. When it's people doing it together. When there is one person who's the hospitality hero, it's hard work. When everyone shares the job, it's a joy to do. This is why when we said to our connect groups, would you put on a meal for everyone on the 9th of July? I said to them, please, could you do that together as a connect group? I don't want the connect group leader by themselves doing everything for everyone else. This is meant to be a team game. Hospitality is more fun when it's a family effort. Every other week, we have our leaders meeting in our home. And our leadership team turn up on a Monday evening. And my daughter Mimi, who is eight years old, loves to stay up and serve the drinks. Now, it's probably because she wants to stay up a bit later. That is some truth in that. But those in the leadership team will know she often will get there and she'll be first at the door, opens it up. And she'll even sometimes have written out a little menu on the pad. And she'll have written a little list, a tick list. She'll ask me everyone's names and she'll write their names down. And she sometimes might even put an apron on and make a bit of an effort because she wants to serve. And she hasn't learned yet that serving is a bit boring and a bit, of, like a bit of a pain in the neck. She loves to serve. And, you know, we help her make the drinks and Lottie's often around and myself and we serve one another. It's a family effort. 
It's always much more fun we do things together. It must never be one person's sole mission. Galatians 6 um, talks about this. It says, um, you will harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So then verse 9, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. We need to keep doing good to everybody, but we also mustn't get tired of it as well. And I'll make a couple of comments here because I think over the last few weeks, if we're not careful, what we could have said to you listening here at Freedom Church is that you've got to have a permanently open house, that you've always got to be welcoming to everybody, that there must always be the kettle on, the fridge must be wide open, and that there should be this like, almost like, come and join us anytime you want to. Pop by, stay for a week, stay for two, we don't mind. And I don't want us to kind of get this idea that hospitality is something that we, that's unattainable. I think it's really accessible, but we must look after ourselves before we can look after other people. There is some importance in rest, holidays, time out, time with your family, time by yourself. You know, Jesus spent time with his father. He took himself away from the crowd and to recharge and to reboost his energy, and he would spend time in prayer by himself. You know, sometimes, well, I, often I know that I'm happier when I've had a good rest. My family will tell you that's true. Some Christians, dare I say it, would be a lot more hospitable and kind and maybe even more spiritual if they just had a good night's sleep. Don't nudge the person next to you at that point. It's okay to take time out. It's okay to say, you know what, we're going to take a weekend off. We're going to take some evenings together. We're going to spend time just with our family. And it's also okay to encourage people that maybe now the time has come, they can leave your home. And you can say, actually, you know what? We're going to start to kick you out of here. That's what good friends can say. There's a way of saying it. When Lottie and I were first married, went to go visit some friends of ours for a meal. We'd finished the meal. We were having a conversation. We were enjoying ourselves. When the husband disappeared, it was Lottie, myself, and her husband and his wife. And he disappeared. And he came downstairs a few minutes later in his pajamas. Started turning the lights off. We thought, maybe it's time to go. His wife was extremely embarrassed. We just thought it was very funny. We made our excuses and we left. Sometimes it's okay to say to people, time's up. It's been nice, it's been pleasant. If you stay any longer, it won't be so nice or so pleasant. <laughs> Hospitality is something that's hard to do. And it's more than just about providing food. Yes, we've got these meals today and we've talked a lot about eating together and about the fact that Jesus did so many hospitable things around the meal table. But there's different ways of doing hospitality. You know, some of, one of the nicest things you can do is rather than saying to people, come round from me, you can say, why don't you and your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or girlfriend or your friends go out for a meal and we'll pay for you to go and have a meal. That's a really nice thing to do. We'll give you some vouchers. We'll give you some cash. Go and treat yourself and have a great time away. Can I recommend a little bit of a side, a little plug? Southampton at the moment looks fantastic. You can watch Wimbledon on the big screen. You can go to a whole range of restaurants. You can sit outside and watch the Wimbledon at the same time. Just saying. Good night, Saturday night. Lovely. Recommend it if you get down there. Anyway, give people vouchers, cash. When it comes to drinks, yes, you can make a cup of tea. Yes, you can make someone a coffee. But you could also be the first one to the bar to buy the drinks. That's hospitable. Oh, dear. 
That's a really lovely thing to say, you know what, this is on me. Before we even get into the pub, I'll get the drinks. That's hospitable. The person that hangs back or pretends they need to go to the toilet, it's a bit awkward, isn't it? Let's be hospitable and say, I'll get these. To be caring and loving and kind. The story of the Good Samaritan was one who gave their kindness and love for somebody who was not just a stranger but an enemy. Are we kind? That's a way of showing hospitality. Where those are in need, maybe they need more clothes. You finish with some clothes or you've got too many, then pass them on to others who don't have as many. Or if you've got children growing out of clothes, to pass them to others. There's a way of being kind and generous and showing hospitality with things that we have excess of that we can give to those who don't have. Or we can visit those in need or alone. You know, turning up to visit somebody in hospital who is ill, uh, someone who is elderly, and maybe so many family members around, to go visit people who are isolated. You don't have to stay for long. They'd probably rather you didn't stay for too long. But to go and to visit, to see how they're doing, to take something with you and be a blessing to them. One of the greatest things you can do in being hospitable is to listen to somebody, to sit and give your undivided attention, to look them in the eyes and just be present. It's a skill I'm still learning. But if we can just give our time, if we can be present in the moment, that's hospitality. I believe hospitality is the root of the gospel message. It's about becoming more selfless. It's become more Christ-like, more present in the moment when others matter more than our pre-planned schedule, when we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. But the challenge I want to leave us with today is can we do this with a genuine smile on our face? Can we? In the Bible, it talks about the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is this gladness at heart that comes from knowing God. You know, as Christians, we should have the biggest smile. We should be excited about all that God has done for us. The joy of the Lord is also a description about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Often when you meet someone who's just become a Christian, they're excited, they're enthusiastic. And then you meet people 10 years down the line, they're like, yeah, well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, really? Where did it go? I've got the joy, joy, joy of the Lord down in my heart. It's deep and it's down there, but it's definitely not on my face. We should have the joy of the Lord. It should be part of our everyday activity. You know, when Jesus was born, the angels announced great tidings of joy. They said joy is in the house because Jesus was born. You know, that moment, Mary, that kind of response she had, and Elizabeth, the kind of the, the leaping of joy in the Christmas story. You know, when the shepherds came to visit and the wise men came to visit, they were full of joy when they saw this baby Jesus. Their hope that he gave them brought joy. And Jesus also brought joy into his ministry. He was accused by his, you know, his competition, John the Baptist, or some of his disciples, that, that Jesus was too joyful. He was having too much fun. There was complaints in the ranks. Jesus described himself once as a bridegroom enjoying a wedding feast. That's a great line. A bridegroom enjoying a wedding feast. He spoke of being full of joy. Even the parable of the, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, um, the prodigal son. There's this joy of the father, the joy of the, the woman, and the joy of the shepherd when they find what that which was lost. There should be joy in those who found what they were looking for. They found the truth in the story of Jesus himself. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, you should be. 
full of joy and your neighbors should know about it. Nehemiah and the story of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem encouraged the people building the walls that they should be full of the joy of the Lord because it would be their strength. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. It doesn't always make sense. Think, how does that work? The joy of the Lord is like the filling of the Holy Spirit. We're full of Him, full of the Spirit. One of the, one of the gifts of the Spirit is joy. Joy is part of the fruit. It should be the outworking. If you are a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit, one of those signs that you are a follower of Jesus Christ should be joy. I mean, it's true. Listen, if you meet someone who's miserable, and then they tell you they're a Christian. I mean, okay, I'm going to try and find a better way to say this because, you know, it's like if someone comes to your house and tries to sell you something they don't believe themselves, why would you buy the product? If someone says to you, being a Christian is the best thing ever, and they look like they hate everything about their lives, why would you sign up? I'm going to have to work really hard here. Because, I mean, this should be, we should be like the most enthusiastic people. We used to talk about the happy, clappy Christians. And now we're trying to be cool. We go, it's a bit embarrassing. Don't be happy and clappy. Terrible. Imagine being happy and clappy. What an awful description. I would rather be miserable and no clappy. Seriously, we should be people who are full of the joy of the Lord. It should be our hallmark. People should spot you in the street and say, you must go to church. You must love Jesus because the way you treat people, the way you're smiling, the way you're enthusiastic reflects the God you serve. Thank you. Come on. This is not my words. Jesus said this, and then Paul wrote about this in Philippians and Thessalonians. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. And Jesus, um, and then Peter said this, he said, he said, you should be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. If you're a believer, you should be filled with a glorious joy. James 1 even then goes on to say, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. But when you're going through it, that's the time to say, you know what? I don't understand it, but I'm choosing to be full of joy. I'm choosing to worship God and celebrate him regardless of how I feel. Our faith is not a feeling faith. Our faith is a declaration of what we believe God is, not how I'm feeling today. It is a faith of inconvenience, not convenience. And then John 16, Paul, um, sorry, Jesus said these words to his followers. Ask using my name and you'll receive. You will have abundant joy. If you're not feeling very joyful today, ask. Christians should be full of joy and fun. I don't think I've ever been to a wedding where the bride looked a bit naffed off. And the church is meant to be a bride. The church is meant to be a bride expectant for their bridegroom, God's return. The return of his son Jesus to this earth. And we should be expectant. And brides should be joyful and smiling and beaming. Imagine if you went to a wedding and the bride walked down the aisle, miserable, hacked off. You probably be thinking there's something else going on here. This is not a great start to a wedding ceremony. We need to be people who are full of joy. When an interview was done on the streets recently, they asked people to describe in one word, how would you describe the church? Do you know what the most common response was? It wasn't joyful, by the way. Miserable, dull, close, really close. Boring. Boring was the standard response. What do you think of church? Boring. Abraham Lincoln said this, if everyone who went to church was laid end to end, they would be a lot more comfortable. 
But R.C. Sproul said this, the complaint that church is boring is never made by people in awe. See, if you've encountered Jesus, and if he's real to you, it's never boring. If you know who Jesus is and what he has done for you, and you're in awe of who he is, it's never boring. It's about having a heavenly perspective about our hospitality. It's about seeing it in a different way. It's not about serving the need. It's about serving our God through the need. You know the story of Mary and Martha from Luke chapter 10. It's this moment where Jesus is in the home of Mary and Martha. They're two sisters. They're very different as most family members are. And they're there and there. And Jesus is seated and he is telling some stories. And Mary is at his feet laughing at all his jokes, enjoying every truth and wisdom that he shares with them. Martha is in the kitchen. And I don't know about you, but I think she was banging the pans a bit extra hard. You ever done this before? Opening and shutting the cupboards really loudly because your friends or family are in the other room all, and they've left you by yourself in the kitchen. And you're all by yourself serving everybody. And you think, oh, this is so unfair. Mary's next door serving Jesus. And she's sitting at his feet, laughing all his jokes. And I'm in here by myself. Bang, bang, crash, smash. And eventually, no one's moving. Nothing's happening. And so Martha goes through to see Jesus and put a little complaint in. She says, Jesus, I know you're my friend as well as Mary's. But you don't have favorites. But you seem to be spending time with Mary. And I'm by myself in the kitchen. Could you tell Mary to come and help me? This is like a, it's like a parent's thing, isn't it? It's not fair. Could she come and help me in the kitchen? I'm serving you, Jesus. Aren't you hungry? It'll be quicker if she comes and helps me. But Jesus turns around and says a very unusual thing. He says this, my dear Martha. That word there is, he was, he was very gentle, very respectful. Martha, you're lovely. I, I think you're wonderful. But you're worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I don't think Jesus was saying that the right thing to do is not serve, not help, not work hard. I think what he was saying is, it's about what are you doing it for? Mary understood that Jesus was the most important thing at that moment in time. He was the most important person in the room. The most important place to be was seated and listening to him. I think there's a way to serve like Martha, but keep a heavenly perspective like Mary did. To stay connected to why we do what we do and not just serving with gritted teeth. We need to have a heavenly perspective. Martha forgot or what was important. She got so busy in the kitchen, she forgot who she was cooking for. Does that make any sense? She was so busy doing and moaning about how hard she was working. And I know we've all got people we know like that who are so busy. I'm serving. I'm working. Do you know what I'm doing to make this family work or to make this event happen? And actually, our job is to serve people with a huge smile on our face because it's as if we were serving the Lord. Um, Colossians 3 says this. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and the master you are serving is Christ. Every time you make someone a cup of tea, every time you buy someone a drink, every time you make someone a sandwich, every time you take someone out for a meal, every time you spend time with somebody, every time you sit and you listen carefully to what someone has to say, you are doing that as if you were doing it to God himself. God comes dressed 
as everyday people. And we need to look out for the opportunity because sometimes it seems a bit disguised. God is in every moment. We need to focus on what God has done for each one of us and allow that truth of what Jesus has done for us to give ourselves permission that we can do this Christianity lark with a big smile on our faces. The last thing I want to leave with you, we'll get the worship team to start making their way up here, is for me there are three levels of hospitality. There are three kind of almost ways of doing hospitality. Level zero, let's put it like level zero down here. Level zero is not being hospitable. It's keeping the door locked shut. It's saying, I'm never going to be kind. I'm never going to give people my time. I'm never going to offer to get anyone else. Level zero is just, we are not interested. If someone walks down the street, we'll walk the other side of the road. We'll put our feet, our face to the ground so we can't see other people and their needs. That's level zero. Level one for me is saying, I will do this even though it hurts, even though it's not a good time, even though I'm just feeling a little bit like, really, I could do a bit of love and care right now. We grit our teeth and we serve people anyway. And then level two, the top level that one day I will make to this wonderful space is when we can be hospitable and kind with a smile on our face and a joy in our hearts and we can be like Martha, but with the attitude of Mary. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? How amazing and attractive that would be to be hospitable. I want to encourage us to be hospitable as a church, both as a community, that when people come in here, our welcome is terrific. I know that many people say that to us already. That's really good. But let's go to a whole other level. Let's up our hospitality. So more than just a, yeah, okay, we'll serve you coffee. We'll get you a coffee. And can we get you something else? Can we serve you? Can we help get your children to their group? Can we help find you a seat? Can we spend time in true and honest conversation when we're interested in who you are, what you're doing? Interesting people are interested in people. Let's do that. Put a smile on our face. And as a friend of mine once said, change your culture 30 smiles an hour. It's a bit cheesy, but it does make you laugh. I'll leave you this last verse from the wisdom of Solomon in Ecclesiastes 9. He says this, So go ahead, eat your food with joy and drink your wine with a happy heart. Wait for it. God approves of this. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.